0: Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson.
1: I'm Cade Ward.
0: And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news.
1: First up, it looks like Elixir Lunch is now Elixir Social. People from all over the world came to the last Elixir Lunch, but few brought lunch, so it seems sensible to change the name. We'll drop a link to their website and you can check when the next one will be. Hey, Phoenix Live, you got a new formatter. The Heeks templates
2: can now be formatted.
1: This feels so good to say. (laughs) This is going to be good.
2: So you no longer have to worry about messy HTML templates, that other language that we have to write, right? HTML and CSS, all that other stuff. So you may now lift that worry from your mind as we all approach nirvana together. Good work to Felipe Ronan. Hopefully I haven't butchered your name. But it started off as a separate plugin and apparently was so good and such a needed thing, they decided to merge it into Phoenix Live View. As of time of recording, uh, it's only in Phoenix Live View Master. Maybe it'll be released in the next tag release, which looks like it'll be 0.17.8 or maybe 18, 0.18. So to use it, all you have to do is add it. As a plugin to your formatter.exs file, make sure that you put the Heeks extension in the inputs option and then run mix format and feel the glory.
1: <laughs> uh, that'll be so nice. I remember when we were talking to Jose recently? He was saying you just type and then you just hit the formatter button. It's like, I love that, except for when you're in Heeks templates. You just type garbage and then you hit the format button and nothing happens and then here I am like indenting my HTML I'm like no that should be uh, mo- oh that class is really long let me move it down one line okay this is good and like hand crafting the format no more <laughs> yeah I like what you
2: said
0: that you just you just type garbage I, I do that a lot yeah <laughs> yeah very much looking forward to that and uh, when that is released we will be certain to let you know and next up Apple it turns out, is using Elixir internally. Apple the company, the company that makes like devices and things.
1: Not Apple the fruit?
0: (laughs) So it looks like the job post is already closed. There was a job post. That's what cued us off to this. So the story really here is about getting a little insight into what's going on in Apple, because typically they're very tight-lipped and very closed company. They don't expose a lot of how they work with their teams internally. What we've learned from this posting is that their environmental team is using Elixir for their internal tooling. And so they're working on APIs that will be used towards their goal of becoming carbon neutral by 2030. So I just thought it was very cool that Apple is using Elixir internally, at least for something. So just a little insight there. Loved it.
1: Continuing with the Apple news, there continues to be performance work on the Apple M1 chip Eric Meadows Johnson was researching performance issues affecting mixed-depth.git, making it 30 times slower than Intel machines. And the issue appears to be around tarballs and just turning off spotlight for the tarball extraction directory avoids the issue. So if you've noticed that slowness, it's actively being worked on and it may be fixed by the time you even hear this. feels like even after all this time with M1 chips, we're still finding those little those little quirks. This is why you wait a, a solid couple of years before you adopt an entirely new chipset. Alex Kupmo shared a Promix update now allows you to bundle Grafana's
2: agent so you can push metrics to Prometheus. Prometheus is typically a poll kind of a metrics platform. So now you can push if you'd rather do that. I don't know where I sit on push versus pull. I, f- I feel like both of them are pretty, pretty cool. I'm used to pushing metrics. The polling one just feels weird to me still, but I see the value of both. Anyway, so now you have the option of either in Promex. So extending Promex with the agent support is a sign of growth and maturity in the library. This is a go-to library. I, I really wish I could use it right now, <laughs> actually. I, I haven't been able to use it, and I really
1: wish I could. So good job, Alex, and uh, happy to see that, that kind of progress. Next, there's a intro to accessibility blog post by Fly talking about Live Beats getting more accessibility support. We talked to Chris McCord about Live Beats and how an accessibility expert was involved with helping it to be more accessible. So this post is a follow up to that, written by the accessibility expert himself. Yeah, I mentioned
0: before how when I worked on a project in the education space, I personally became more aware of the accessibility concerns and what was involved with designing a web application with that in mind. And a lot of that was just humbling because you realize this is so much bigger and broader than I had any clue about. So what I love about this article is it helps introduce people to this topic, but he also shares how he will continue to work to improve LiveBeats accessibility and the reason it's Live Beats is because it's a model application in the Phoenix space that people can look to to say, how can I build a Phoenix application? And when accessibility is built in, then people start to understand what are some of the things, what are the ways I do this, how can I make this more accessible? So I thought that was a, a neat thing to be aware of and check out. And next up, Frank Hunlith has been playing with nerves on his Grisp 2 board. So, Grisp 2 is a hardware device that is built with Elixir and Erlang in mind. And with Nerves, Frank has made early versions of pre-built binaries available. He's been tweeting his progress on this as he continues to tune it and to try and get better Wi-Fi support where it boots up faster. And, and really, that's a lot of around that. So it's, it's very interesting. If you're in the Nerve space, you might already be aware of this, but certainly you can follow what Frank is doing online as he seems to be very open in sharing with his discoveries and progress. All right, last up, a small correction to some news items we had a, a couple of episodes ago about uh, OTP25,
2: and we talked about the new function crypto.hash equals. So I had mentioned that it was constant time, and so that makes it fast. Well, that's sometimes true, <laughs> depending on what you're trying to do. But in, in this case, that's not true. Constant time has nothing to do with it being faster or, or slow uh, in this case. So thanks to Todd Residek, who reminded me that just because a function is constant doesn't mean it's fast. In this case, it's constant time anchored to the slowest hash check, and this is important because it mitigates timing attacks. So what is a timing attack? Well, in case you didn't know, it's when you're comparing binaries such as a personal access token to an API, there are algorithms that can do it quickly and maybe fail out fast, right? And so if it's done quickly, that the timing of that function reveals a little bit of information that was either not like, for example, that the, the token didn't exist, or maybe if you're pairing the token with an email, maybe the email didn't exist or does exist. Based on the fact of, of the function returning quickly or slowly is enough information for attackers to maybe collect that kind of info. Maybe they'll start collecting a list of you know, uh, emails that might be you know, present when somebody's trying to log in, and so they can brute force that and derive a list of valid entries. Once they have one piece of the puzzle, then they can brute force the other piece of the puzzle, like the password. So thanks,
0: Todd, for the quick correction there. Hopefully we all learned something through that. I did. And that's it for the news. Fly.io supports this podcast by providing editing services. Beyond being great for supporting us, they are a great place to host your next Elixir app. Check them out at fly.io. Today we're being joined by our special guest, Tatiana Dushenkiewska. Thanks for coming and welcome to the show.
3: Uh, Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, Tatiana, I am excited to talk to you because you have been involved in the Elixir community for a long time. And one of the things that people may or may not be aware of and and your relation to is that you've created a product called Elixir Cards, which is like a set of flashcards that people can use when they're learning Elixir, or even just wanting to go deeper on some things and and kind of make things more muscle memory, which I think is a great, fun thing to think about and do. I would love to learn about that and more about where this came from and how you're doing it. And I understand Elixir is even involved with the production of some of this, so that'll be very cool to talk about. But before we get into all of that, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, like where do you live and what kind of work are you doing?
3: I can uh, give you a little heads up that if you can't pronounce my full name, Tychyna Dushutkivskaya, you could just call me Tanya, which is a little bit easier. <laughs> I'm from Ukraine. At the moment, it's a little bit hard to say because I'm worried about Ukraine. But thank you for inviting me to the podcast because that takes my mind off the scary things which happening. So I have been programming since... Probably 2014, when I joined a company in the UK, in Southampton. And I was doing Ruby for around a year, year and a half. And then I've discovered Elixir. One of my colleagues just came. I've been very excited about Elixir, about what it can do. And at that point, I thought... That's another, another thing, another shiny thing to, to look at and learn. It's probably nothing. But then like the talk was happening, and there was a little bit of excitement, and I thought, okay, I'll have to give it I just have to have a look at it. And then I picked up a book by Dave Thomas, one of the first books, and I started reading about it and learning about it. Uh, realizing that functional programming is actually quite fun because I haven't touched it before. I uh, My background is an uh, uh, electronic engineer, so software was something new. Figuring out that this language is functional and it's easier for me to understand it's easier for me to reason about, it made me excited about it. And then it got into processes about all of these exciting things about how you can scale, which at that time I didn't quite understand what that means, but it looked very exciting. And this is where the flashcards came from because I would read the book and I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is good. I understand this. And then I think I'll sit down and I'll try just to write a little challenge and I couldn't because I can't remember the syntax and then I go, oh, where is that page where where I've read it I understood the concept but I couldn't remember how to do it so then I started writing down the little page that was just a note and it was very concise it's just just to remind me what what it was about and my partner Keith uh, he has been supporting me with this project from the beginning and still is supporting me. He saw the notes and he was like, oh, those are cool, let me try them. So then he'll go and he tried to unsign and he's like, oh, this is cool. Maybe we should print it as a a thing and they're going to look a little bit better. So then we start looking at printing them and we printed the first version just on the cardboard from some printer shop, cut them out themselves, realized that, it's very important to understand the print settings. So when you print the cards, you have to lay them out properly. Otherwise, you've got the front and back not quite correct when they come out and you cut them. I mean, that was annoying because we've printed a batch <laughs> 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 And then it just got better and better. And we started to look at the printing uh, professional pocket size cards, which would have those code snippets, we took part to the conference. Can't remember which conference it was. It was in the uh, United States, I believe.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to put this on the on the timeline for me. I I remember Elixir cards being really early, like maybe when I came into Elixir myself. And if you were inspired by Dave Thomas's book, that's one of the first books out there that really propelled Elixir into the public eye. I'd, I'd say. So I'm thinking like 2017, which would be about five years ago. Does that sound right to you?
3: There was an uh, an Alexia conference in the United States in 2015. And my partner, Keith, he got tickets. And he was like, I'm going to this conference. And He was a senior developer at the company. We worked at the same place. Mm -hmm. And I was a junior developer with a junior developer salary. And I couldn't just go and say, oh, oh, I'm going to a conference in in a few weeks' time. So I was very jealous. Uh-huh. And I didn't go to that conference. But the next conference, which was closer, which I could go to, I believe it was in Europe. So I waited for that one.
2: Maybe 2016
3: then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right.
0: I think we got a little bit of a glimpse of your origin story here with the electric cards. So it sounds like you created it as a device to help you initially, right? Like you were the first customer. It's like, I'm excited about this language. I want to get better at it. I want to apply it. And now, dang it, I don't remember how to do that syntax over here when I'm trying to do it. That sounds like a very helpful goal of like, I want to get this myself. I want to lock this into my memory. Because I know from going through primary education or just high school kind of things in the U.S., Flashcards was something that we would sometimes use as a memorization technique when there's things that just need to be internalized. You just need to memorize this. Before seeing that, I'd never really thought about flashcards being applied to programming in this way. So maybe if someone hasn't seen this before, you can give an example of what they might see on the front and back of a card so they can kind of start to understand what it is we're talking about.
3: The goal for the flashcard is to have some kind of an example which you can look at straight away. So the difference with the Elixir documentation is it's easy to understand because it has lots of examples. When I try to read the Erman documentation, I'm struggling a little bit because it's missing examples. Uh, and that's the goal is to take the function or take a piece of code and then say, OK, this is the function, for example, Apply, which would uh, take three arguments enum the name of the module, then atom reverse, and then uh, the third argument is gonna be at least <laughs> one to three and this would be the front first, you learn that there is a function like that, uh, and you remind yourself that I can use it that way in some cases. you may not. Quite understand sometimes when you're going to use it, but you know it's there. (laughs) And then on the other side, uh, it just tells you what it's going to return.
0: Like making it more concrete, right? It's not just, oh, there is a function called apply and it's apply slash three and showing documentation. It's not like that. It's showing here's an actual application or example of this function. And then you can think about it and as you're learning it, you can look at that and say, well, what is that going to result in? And then flip over and see, do I got it? Is, am I applying it correctly?
3: That, that's right. So sometimes I would read the, the documentation and that would be missing example. And I'll have to read it uh, a few times and, and uh, understand that, oh, this argument has to be, uh, for example, just an integer or this can be that option, especially when there are options in GenServer, there are a lot of examples where you read about how gem servers work. You're like, okay, okay, I understand. This is a cool thing. Then you sit down, try to write your one, and, and you're struggling. So having this in front of you, whether you remember it or not, or just looking at it and saying, okay, so I've got this little code snippet. I can read it. Can I tell what the result is going to be? So that just reminds you, even from the front of the card, how this could work.
2: I I love that the flashcards exist. I've used it in a couple of different ways, but I've never actually used it the way that you you use them. If I can't remember how to do something, like how to split a string or something, I I literally just Google it. (laughs) And usually (laughs) it's Stack Overflow or an Elixir forum post. And then I, you know, I, I remember, okay, it's that, or, or it's hex stocks. Yeah. I usually have a tab for hex stocks open if it's like an elixir thing, like an elixir kernel function or something. But the other way that we haven't talked about yet that I found myself using these elixir flashcards is actually as a game quizzes at meetups. I bought some like fun socks with like tacos and Spider-Man on it and stuff like that <laughs> a while back ago. I should do start doing this again. I found some of your your flashcards on on the Twitter account. I think you had for a while you were you were doing that on on Twitter and then you would wait a day and then you would post the answer. And so I found a couple of those and I put it on a PowerPoint slide, you know, like how meetups usually do. It let every, let everyone try to answer it and the first one that could answer that that question would get a uh, some some free socks. Adding like a sense of fun or an element of fun to this I thought was Really, really cool, uh, cool way of 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 applying the uh, you know the the flashcards. First that I found you, yeah, I think, through the the Twitter account. So thank you for doing that. But then also the the flashcards themselves also seem to be
0: really high quality. They're not cheap things, you know. They're these are nice ones. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how you make these cards, like the process for deciding one, what am I going to put on the card? And then how you actually go through the the whole design and development and production of it.
3: I haven't created a new content for a little bit but because uh, now I'm a mom, pretty much full-time. I still want to do it. I want to create more. I want to do Erwin cards. But when I was creating the cards, uh, usually the motivation was is that I'll be at work and I'll be just working away and keep Googling this Enum module functions, especially Enum reduce or reduce while. Those functions. And every time I would just keep Googling it and then thinking, I'm using it so much, I should remember it. It's going to be much quicker. So then I'll be like, okay, I've had enough. I have to try to memorize it. I have to try to remember the API. And then I would say, okay, what's the best way? Well, I'll just go open up the uh, amazing Elixir documentation in a module and then I'll go through the functions there and I'll just create the cards so for each one I'll look at it and I'll say okay so what is an example here how can I use it and then I'll put it on the cards so for each function in the module I would have a few cards with different arguments so so then it's it's covering how you can use it and then I'll just play with it either myself or in the time of meetups. We had tried different games where we maybe sit in a group of three and we deal three cards to each person. And then we take turns, try to get rid of our cards as soon as possible. And then whoever wins uh, is uh, is getting a, a cup of tea made by the rest of the group or something. <laughs> so just a bit of uh, of fun. As for the process of creating, once I figure out the content, then we would put that content in the editor, which is a tool which we build ourselves and we use it behind the scenes to create the flashcards. And that tool is uh, showing us how the cards are going to look like when they're printed. So they're formatted, styled in the way they're going to come out. And we would type in the question And the answer, and then as we're using Elixir, at the moment, we are doing something which you shouldn't be doing really if you're working in a serious company. We get the question, we evaluate it. That's the part which we shouldn't be doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're controlling the content.
3: We're controlling the content, so we know that no one else can touch it. And then we would compare that what uh, has come out from evaluating that question is actually what we put as an answer on the card. If that's all good, then we are happy with that. We check that the actual text on the card looks good, that it's centered so it's ready for printing. Then we would generate a PDF from the, the bunch of those cards, save it, send it to printers, and then they do their magic of printing us beautiful cards. Then they come out good-looking cards.
0: <laughs> what I love about that is how you're using Elixir as a tool, and I think you said it was Live View, right? It's a Live View app that does this. And that you're evaling it. So that, to me, sounds like, oh, that's like doc tests, right? A doc test is where I say, this is the thing, and this is the expected outcome, and it's evaluating it at the time it runs the tests and saying, yes, it matches or it doesn't match. And so you're doing that with the cards to make sure you're not accidentally putting out something that says, this is what it does, and on the back, it's wrong, right? That's not going to happen. I love that you're using Elixir to actually, you know, verify that. Going straight
3: to the source. And that has caught quite a few mistakes, where I just made a typo. It hasn't caught. A, there was a, a mistake where, on the card, when you look at it, it looks correct. But then, when you evaluate, it says that it's wrong. But you look at it and you think, but no, this is correct. And then you copy paste, put it in IEX, think, no, that 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 looks correct. And it comes out as a correct answer. And uh, we had this problem where when we style the cards, we haven't spe- escaped some special characters and that throw us out. And we had a few times where we printed the cards. I think that was in the Regex module and uh, they had to run the cards. And then people would come to us saying, uh, this is not correct. And I like, What would you mean it's not correct? I've I've run the tests of them. They're all passive. it, It can't be not correct. But it was not correct because it's printed. Not everything it needed to print.
0: Interesting. Yes. Escaping characters. Wouldn't have thought of that. So one of the things I think is interesting about this idea of creating these cards is it kind of puts you in a role as an educator in the Elixir space. Because people might be wanting to learn more about Elixir and they might turn to these cards as a great resource. To help cement some of these ideas and kind of quiz themselves. So I'm just curious as to any other process that you can share. You identified like some key modules like enum. It's something that we turn to a lot. Good to understand. You want to cover a lot there. But is there anything else that would help influence what you would choose to put on a card and what feature you want to highlight?
3: Most of the things were things which I was struggling with at work or I would Maybe not struggling, but I would like to remember. Uh, so then th- that would be a big influence. And sometimes it would be people would come and say, oh, it would be nice if there would be cards on this subject. And then I'll think about it and I'll try to create the cards. If it's enjoyable and I can do it, then I I do it. But sometimes I find that creating cards on some content creating meaningful cards is really really hard creating cards for gem server was really really hard very proud that they came out and i do find them helpful for myself even now but it was really hard to think how you can structure a question in an example which would be meaningful and sometimes we had to put some some nonsense. For example, with timeout, the timeout values, for example, for, gen, uh, for agent or gen server, it could be zero, but you shouldn't be putting zero. It doesn't make sense. So then we make this card, but we want to show you that there is a timeout. So if we put one, we can't tell you that we are waiting on this card. It's We are not running it. Uh, so then we had to put it in some nonsense. And then say, okay, this is the answer. And then we'll have a little note. But don't do that. (laughs) Because it doesn't make sense.
0: (laughs) So David mentioned this idea about how he was using some of these Elixir cards that you created in a meetup context, like a group context. Have you found any other ways of applying and using these cards in a more fun, kind of collaborative way?
3: We have tried different games, different setups. Uh, the one which I remember, I still remember it, and it, it makes me motivated to carry on with this idea, is there was a, a Elixir conference in Europe. I think it was Barcelona. And we had this idea with Keith that we can run a, an Elixir cars tournament, We I think we called it. And we sat down we thought okay we can talk to our own solutions they were organizing this conference so we talked to them and we said look we've got this idea would you be happy to if we do this tournament thing so we explained them the idea and they were like okay yeah 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 so then we thought how it's gonna work and we uh went and bought the blackjack shoe so you can deal the cards quickly and you had a buzz and you had to start the buzz and you have a minute and you had to try to answer as many cards as you can in that minute. And then we thought, yeah, this is fun. This is very competitive and this is this is really fun. But there is a little bit of competition missing. So we were looking at printing the the tournament brackets and we printed them just at home on our printer and we come to the conference with a a bunch of A4 pieces of paper thinking this is our beautiful table and we had a corner where all the sponsors were and all the sponsors they were having this beautiful setups which looked amazing and we were just trying to stick those pieces of paper to make it into some kind of tournament table and then uh, we had a few people coming and helping us and Jose coming and trying to help us figure out how you put the pieces together (laughs) it was fun and then do, do you want to play the tournament and then we had developers just coming and trying and playing and We end up with it being fun, but not organized as well, because we had many people who were participating. They were also speakers at the conference. So they'll come and do a little bit, and then we can't catch them, but they had to play against someone else. So then basically at the end of the day, we had probably 20 minutes left, and we quickly finished this tournament where at the end it was pretty much the uh, the guys from Lixia Core team. Remember Andre? Remember Jose? I remember Mike. And they were—he is quite quite good. Everyone, everyone there. <laughs> and uh, they were just playing and competing, and uh, we just gathered around and thinking, "Wow, they're so good!" <laughs> and that was fun, and I still remember it. It's very fun time.
0: <laughs> so we should mention. And we'll have links to us in the show notes, but. So there's Elixir Cards on Twitter, and you have elixircards.co.uk as a website where people can go and see some examples and make a purchase. How many decks have you gotten up to now? And how many cards are in a deck? Uh,
3: So at the moment, we've got uh, 15 decks of physical cards. Each deck is 54 cards, just like size cards. We have a few decks which are just online. It just didn't make sense to print them because they were quite specific topic and we were not sure whether we can sell them. But we are saving them because we are hoping that we can move our flashcards online or maybe sell the PDFs because we, as far as the physical products and physical flashcards are great, We have experienced a few challenges. First, you have to spend time replying to people who ordered the cards, if they have questions, package the order, then go send the order. And then once you send the order somewhere to Brazil, you just hold your breath and you hope it's going to get there. And we had lots of problems where cards would get stuck somewhere and then we'll either have to refund the cards or they're coming back and be claiming them or they come to the developer who ordered them but they come after a month and a half so it, it's just no enjoyable experience and after holding the physical product which we're proud of and not being able to deliver this great customer service we thought that we need to rethink what we are doing. And also shipping is expensive. But it's nothing we can do. It we either have to make sure it it's tracked and it's gonna get there, hopefully. <laughs> Even if it's tracked it sometimes get lost. Or we make it cheap but then but then we don't know and then we are losing so it's basically just problems which we don't wanna solve. Coding is more fun, so better concentrate on the <laughs> version. <laughs>
0: Becomes a lot of logistics, right? And dealing with international shipping, lots of challenges. So you mentioned that there were some online cards. Is that something that people have an option to do right now?
3: Not quite. Or I should say yes and no. So we've been with, again, with Urban Solutions. Once the coronavirus hit the world, the conferences stopped being in person and they all moved online. And they we talked about them and we did an Elixir Cards quiz. Or well, it started as an Elixir Card quiz and then it was a Beam quiz. Then it was a quiz for Code Mesh, which was just a mash of functional languages. Uh, so that's a competition which we run at the conferences. During the conference, we would select maybe 15 cards and people would see the card they'll type in the answer and then whoever gets all the cards correctly first they get a prize from the conference organizers that's one of the tools but that was specific for the conference but that pushed a move into thinking well okay so this is all good can we move it a bit forward i've just been working on the Games part of the elixir cards where similar concept you have a card, you type an answer, and you have hints so you it doesn't tell you straight away or you're not struggling there forever if you don't know the answer. So give you the hints, and then if you get it, the, the idea that's what we've got at the moment it just tells you correct or not correct. But the idea is to use that concept but plug in the space based repetition. That's a concept which I think is very important, which I've learned about quite a few years ago. There was a psychologist, I think he was, called Ebbinghaus, I think he was called, and he realized that if you want to memorize something or remember something, there is something called forgetting curve. So if if you want to remember something for a long time, you have to practice within some time so you don't just pick up the subject and you learn the same thing every day that's actually not helpful but you pick up a subject and you learn something today and you leave it for two days then you revise it in two days and you see can you answer all the questions if you can that's it you you, you've noticed (laughs) if you can't pick it up again in in four days, pick it up in eight days until you know that you remember it, and that's what we want to plug into our online platform, so we can't say that it's finished until it has that value, so at the moment, just having question and answer is kind of okay, but it's not enough enough of, not enough for online platform, so to provide question answer. Side to replace the physical cars we thought that we could allow people to maybe purchase a pdf of the car so then they can use them the way they want to use them and it's not um, dictated by us what what content they see but if it comes to a clever tool then it has to be a clever tool with some statistics and some rewards and saying well done
0: yeah that's interesting we i Sure to link in the show notes to that forgetting curve. And that is interesting, just that you can build that into a tool that says at this interval of time, if you want to remember something, you need to be reminded of it and needs to keep coming up at this interval until it's really kind of stuck and your brain has decided, oh, this is important. I need to hold on to this. So that's cool. I like that.
2: That's fascinating. That's that's really fascinating. So I really love that the, the flashcards are are exactly there to like help you beat that curve. To, to help retain that kind of info. I wonder if hex docs being so good makes people not remember this stuff because it's just so easy to have open and look up.
0: Yeah, what I would need is flashcards to figure out which hex doc I actually need to be looking at.
1: Because like, oh, no, this is an X unit. No, this is actually an X docs. and I might do, be doing the same disservice to myself. I use this program that actually downloads and caches in memory all of the docs. Dash. Are using Dash? Yep. And then you can type anything, and it doesn't matter like which library it belongs to, or if it's Core, Elixir, it just pulls the docs up based on a global search bar, right? And I can find anything instantly, and uh, I'll never memorize it. It's an interesting intersection
2: between this concept of a second brain, which Google is, that's her whole business model, right? The second brain where you don't have to recall it, you just have the tools easy to 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 pull it up, versus... You know what we've been talking about here is no, it's there's actually value in, in your brain remembering these things and retaining these things. You know, there's there's practice here. You wanna you wanna train your your what am I a scientist? I don't actually know what's happening in my brain, but whatever <laughs> but it's not
1: like we're competitive coding, so it's probably okay. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> like you wanna train your neuron pathways in your brain to to, to be wired
0: in a certain way. I want to make sure we touch on also, in addition to the Elixir cards, you also have Git cards. I'd love to hear a little bit about the story about where that comes from and what kinds of things people will find there. Because as developers, once we get started developing, there's a whole host of other tools that come with it, not just the Elixir language, right? We're now confronted with HTML and CSS and SQL and our databases and how those work. But then outside of that, even we have the, how do I work in a terminal? And I have to work with Git. And so Git cards is one of those other offerings you have. Maybe you could tell us a little about that.
3: Well, that was the idea from Keith. When he uh, saw me doing Elixir cards, he thought, oh, I'm going to do gift cards. So he went off and he pulled a bunch of commands, which he, I think he knows all of them, but he thought, oh, they're still going to be fun to play with. Uh, mo- mostly like a game, I think. Not, not as much to memorize, because he knows all of that. And... He just created a product side by side to, to elixir cards. Our relationship with Keith on developing something are very interesting. We got inspired by each other, but we often can't create the same content together. So we had to try different things <laughs> And then this is when he created the content, and I went, "Oh wow, those are cool. Uh, I think they should also go to print. I'll finish them off. I'll make them fit on the card and send them to printers, but the, it's, it's good. And we just printed a few just to see if they are going to be interesting to anyone. We haven't tried to promote or sell them, so not many people actually know about them. We occasionally have orders and we are like, oh, someone is buying gift cards. How did they even find it?
2: Do you have... Plans on introducing uh, cards for tar, tar flags, like de- decompressing files, <laughs> help us poor Linux folks out?
3: That's a good question. I have plans to have content on everyone cards and on VS Code because I want to remember the commands and Docker because, again... I should get better with it. All the things I'm touching, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely need some cards for that. (laughs) But unfortunately, as a very part-time project, the progress is really, really, really slow. So I'm trying to get this platform out. I don't know when it's going to be. I can't even tell you that it's going to be in a month. I'm very slowly getting through it, and hopefully... I can have good news about the progress soon-ish.
2: Last question for me, and maybe the most important question of all. Your Twitter handle is your name, 12345678. Where is nine? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a character
0: limit?
3: (laughs) I know. I know. I've been asked that question a few times. When I registered... It was quite late in the day, so I wasn't the, the the one who uh, got the Twitter handle sorted early enough.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: <laughs> it was taken.
3: <laughs> yes. And I was going, one is taken, two taken, and then I go up to eight, and it was free. And I was like, do
1: no, <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Now I can rest easy knowing the story behind your Twitter handle. Yeah. Mystery solved. <laughs> Well, Tatiana, this has been fun. And I am very interested to hear about when you have any progress that you'd like to share about the platform that you're working on. Please let us know and we'll let all the listeners know. But if people want to follow you online or learn more about any of these things, where should they go to do that?
3: I would say Twitter is the best place, especially if they post things publicly. I can see them and I try to answer. If I can, I'm doing my best. Other than that, they could. Send an email if they've got some feedback or suggestions or ideas to sales at cleverbunny.io.
0: Cleverbunny.io. I love it. Great. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Well, Tatiana, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fun. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.